Live from the booth at Pops, it's time for the Riverdale Review! What's up, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of the Riverdale Review. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, here, joined with my pals in podcasting, Mr. Kale Ward. I'll tell you what, I don't like the way you raise your finger to get the waiter. That's really rude. <laughs> <laughs> See... The problem with making visual jokes is that this is an audio-only podcast. I, hey, I'm trying to create an atmosphere, okay? You've got to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we've also got my man, Mr. Marco, Mr. Marco Cunolata. I really thought you were going to say Mr. Marco Animoto. I was like, all right, I'm brand. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> I almost did, and then I was like, you know what? No, I'm not indulging this. <laughs> say hello, Marco. No, that was my, that was my <laughs> bit. Hello, Marco. <laughs> See, I was setting him up for that, Kale, and he didn't do hey, it. He didn't I just, do it. I'm fucking, I'm throwing him softballs. <laughs> it's hard It's hard to find good help these days. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I guess that's why you gotta wag your finger at him. I don't know. I guess that's why I had to invite uh, our guest here today, Mr. Mark Bouchard, joining us here in the booth today. Mark, say hello. Very excited to be here, Pete, and I'm praying that my dog doesn't bark. I mean, even if he does, it's okay. Now you guys know. I didn't Mark's know. dog's also joining us. Yeah. He's adorable. I didn't know they let dogs in pops. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they let this, look at him. He's such a precious little boy. Yeah. Just all right. You know what? We just you know plug your Instagram real quick so people can go look at him. He's adorable. Uh, his Instagram i is juicebox underscore is underscore small but the internet way with an o. I need to find the password for the account, but there is a. I guess right now it's just a gallery of some. Cute, <laughs> <laughs> so you guys go enjoy that um but uh for those who don't know mark just tell tell people who you are what you do and where they can find you on the internet um well i edit comics i write comics i write online a bit and uh, i'm at bark Bouchard on twitter and everything else cool 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 shit this dog is perfect i found the instagram <laughs> he's he's a precious little boy yes um Anyway, so yeah, so Mark, uh, you are here not to talk about your dog, unfortunately, because he is, look at him, he's so cute. Just perfect. <laughs> but uh, we are here to talk about Riverdale, as we do here on the Riverdale Review, yes. um, which is, you know, for what it's worth, the Pals Network's weekly Riverdale podcast, uh, where each week we get together to talk about Riverdale. And, um, you know, if you guys want to write into the show and hear your th- have your thoughts about Riverdale around the air, you can hit us up at thecomicspals at gmail.com or follow our sister show, The Comics Pals, anywhere your social media is sold, and tell us your thoughts about the show to hear them read on the air. So, uh, as we like to do, we kind of like to start the show off every week talking about our spoiler-free spoiler free thoughts of the episode before we get into all the nitty-gritty. Um, so, Mark, since you're our guest, why don't you start us off? What did you think about episode 19? Uh, or not, I guess, chapter 19, Death Proof. Well, I really liked it. I think that this season, obviously because of uh, the Black Hood, the stakes, I feel are a bit higher than just like the small town murder mystery that happened before. I really like where we're going with the uh, the tension with Southside High, and I don't really want to give too much away, so I don't really know how much more detail I can go into. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. Um yeah, so overall, what, what were your thoughts on this episode? Or did you, you thought this was another good one? Or yeah. Any problems with I, it? So I watched episodes, uh, I watched chapter 18 and chapter 19 back to back, and I definitely, I think, I liked this one a bit more, and I liked where we, where we got, where we ended up. I felt like the cliffhanger was good, but I didn't feel, like, shorted by the amount of information we got. I, I left feeling satisfied. 
be honest. I thought it was probably one of the best episodes of the season. Nice. <clears throat> yeah, I would I would agree. I think um, something I really liked about this episode was that, you know, for the first time, I feel like all of the characters' storylines are kind of finally coming together towards one singular path. Um, at least to some degree, you know, I think a, a reoccurring theme has been like, you know, we've been kind of breaking up the show by like each character's arc. Yeah. And that was kind of impossible this episode for me when I was putting the show notes together, you know, because, um, all the stories were finally kind of coming together and intertwining in ways that are like meaningful and interesting, not just like, you know, um, rubbing up against each other because it's the same show. Yeah, and I liked how everyone sort of, everyone entered, at least, there, I feel like the two main storylines kind of conversion we got, everyone was a part of everyone's, like, dramatic crux of the, um, the episode. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, and I, I definitely am a fan of where this episode leaves pretty much every character in the show. We got a lot of resolution yeah. to a lot of the stuff that's been building this arc, and uh, it puts us in a really interesting place moving yeah. forward, I think. So, uh, Kale, what did you think about the episode? So, I have a lot of feelings about Betty, right? I like Betty a lot. Uh, Dark Betty is amazing. But let me tell you, <laughs> Mechanic Betty? Forget it. Forget it. Yeah, oh my god. I, I yeah. I can't. <laughs> I have a lot I of feelings about Betty this episode, too. I I am 100% love, in love with Betty Cooper. Like, a girl that can work on cars? Ooh. Ooh, baby. Does, <laughs> does anyone feel as if that this episode coming out set the per like the delay on uh Veronica and Betty Vixens or Betty and Veronica Vixens to like come out next Wednesday, the new comic where it's just Betty and Veronica riding motorcycles? Uh like huh. this episode <laughs> set that up Interesting. perfect with uh yeah, into it. Yeah, I mean I, I I like to think that their, you know, branding is that well thought out, but it, it, uh, it might just be a happy coincidence. Yeah, I think yeah. it was definitely a happy coincidence, but uh, I'm liking it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Mark, what do you think about it? Uh, this episode was, I think, my, I think probably, like, my favorite overall. If it wasn't last week's, it was, like, definitely this one. It was just, like, a lot happened. Uh, like you said, a lot sort of gets resolved, which is nice to just, like, have everything come back home a little bit. Um, and just see where the characters yeah. have gone and now and are ending up. Um, and then, yeah, dude, me, me, mechanic Betty, like, like that—that's the best Betty, even in the comics. Like, I'm I'm for it. Um, so all around thumbs up. Yeah, I think the the two real highlights for me this episode, like overall, were definitely that. I think this was a continuation of the you know kind of thing we talked about last episode where we kind of really finally got our first real Betty episode, you know, where she's like really the anchor the entire time. And this kind of felt like a continuation of that. Like every other, everybody else's stories definitely got a lot of, um, you know, attention, I would say to us, at least, you know, varying degrees. But, um, I, I'm definitely really actively engaged with what's going on with Betty, you know, um, which was definitely not the case earlier in the season. And, uh, I think my, my other, um, high point here was that like we really finally got some more time with cheryl yes. again you know for the first time in Especially a while after what happened yeah right which was needed um and not just because of that you know because it's like i feel like she's been lurking around this whole season and she's been used in a few episodes in similar ways to like kevin you know where it's just kind of like she's there to support one of the characters who has a storyline we're actually paying attention to and now she's got her own stuff going on again for the first time in a while and um, that's great because she's, like, just such a fun character, you know? Agreed. 
I, and I would like to talk about Cheryl because there's some stuff going on there that I am very conflicted about. So I'd like your yeah, opinions sure. on it. So let's yeah, fucking so, um, get into it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a perfect time to jump into the spoiler full discussion. So uh, if you guys haven't seen Chapter 19, Death Proof, now is your chance to jump out without having the episode spoiled for you. Uh, if you don't care about that kind of thing or you've already seen it, you know, stick around for the entire thing. Uh, if not, we'll see you next week. So... You know, we're gonna we're gonna jump around a little bit here, but I feel like we're mostly gonna go in chronological order because of the nature of this episode, like I said, is that we finally kind of had all these storylines converge to a certain degree, um in a way that I feel like they really haven't since Mr. Andrews was shot. You know, yeah. like it's the first time that all these characters are really involved in the same events. Um, which is it's great. It's great to see the, the gang back together, you know? Yeah. But I wanna start our conversation about uh, you know, what picks up from where we left last episode, right? Like, the cliffhanger is, you know, Betty names Nick St. Clair, and uh, she rushes off to um, the hotel, I guess, that they're staying at, right? And um, she goes to warn Nick and his family, and uh, just as basically, you know, uh, Sheriff Keller is arriving to take them into the station because of the allegations against Nick for what happened. So she gets a call from the mask, You know, she's obviously surprised that he's not dead, right? Like, she gave his name, she was expecting this blood on her hands, and the mask gives an answer that I found to be pretty interesting, and I want to unpack with you guys a little bit. So he said, Nick isn't... It's not a mask, it's a hood. Oh, I... I'm so sorry, I can't... For some fucking reason. I can't believe I called him the black mask. That's so funny. We made a joke about that shit last week. (laughs) (laughs) The black hood. Uh, So he says... Nick isn't one of Riverdale's sons, and you've already given me the most wonderful gift. When you said Nick's name in that moment of nakedness, you let me see the real Betty, and she was beautiful. Judge, jury, and executioner. Now that I've seen your true self, Betty, the real work can begin. So, something I find really interesting about The Hood, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about since we had our our episode last week with Betty on, is the idea that we know that there is a fake Black Hood. We think there's a fake Black Hood. We, we think there's a fake Black Hood. We have reason to believe there's a fake Black Hood. Yeah. And the fact that this hood keeps threatening to kill people, but hasn't since he started talking yeah. to Betty, it, especially this, when he's like, oh, he's not one of Riverdale's sons. It's like, so the fuck what? Like, yeah. you know, if your whole thing is your crusade against degenerates or whatever, it's like, he tried to rape and murder a girl. You like you were threatening Veronica, and she's not from Riverdale. Why does she count? Just because she's back in Riverdale, and she's Hiram's daughter? Like, you know, I've, I feel like there's, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, I, this excuse seemed flimsy to me. Yeah, same with, like, Grundy. Like, she's not from Riverdale, she's a transient, like... And now that you mention the, uh, the sort of the flimsy excuse thing, we, like, the, I don't know if this is skipping too far, but, uh, the, they had it. No, yeah, we're in full good, spoilers good, good. now, so at this point, if you, if you want to say something from further cool. ahead, that's okay. All right, so when they, uh, the sheriff, the sheriff had, uh, like, experts test the letters, and they, the, um, the Betty, one of the letters that Betty got, and they, the experts said they were made by different people. Right, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting at when I say, like, we feel like maybe there's an imposter here, right? So... I feel like that totally makes sense. And like, you know, not to skip ahead to the end, but when we see what the actions of the hood at the end of the episode could have been informed by Betty's actions, not the phone calls. So it's interesting. 
I, I don't know. I, I'm wondering if this this validates that or if this is just part of his weird code and like he doesn't really give a shit about Nick St. Clair. That's how I that's how I felt when I watched it. I really wanted that guy to be dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I was kinda hoping that she was gonna walk in on him and he was gonna be strung up somehow, you know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> cool. To keep keep the conversation around the hood going, right? Like Archie and Betty, later in the episode, they're walking to school together, and, you know, she starts to kind of lay the ground for what ends up being her plan this episode, right? Like, she says she's done playing his game, she says she's not going to answer his calls, you know, she's she's kind of starting to formulate that idea that maybe she's going to, you know, stop submitting to this. But as they're, you know, getting into that conversation, they catch Tony and Jug at Pops, which um, I want to kind of use to transition into this part of the conversation, right? So in the beginning of the episode, we see Tony spent the night at, uh, at Jugs, which I think, you know, we're, we're yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. We're kind of led to think that there's something that went on there, but, um, it doesn't really seem like that's necessarily the case, right? Like we learned that she's kind of couch surfing until her uncle stops locking her out of the house. Jughead, I think tries to kind of make a romantic connection with her and she, you know, shuts him down. You know, she says it's like, we had a PG 13 grope session and you're not over Betty. I'm not interested in being your, uh, or anybody's rebound. And, you know, I'm more into girls anyway. Man, like, see, this is like that thing where we talked about last week where like, People deal with things maturely, and it's like, no, I kind of wanted them, like, I wanted that drama. It's like, uh, why do you guys have to be adults? Like, come on. <laughs> I kind of thought it was out of character for Jughead to do, have done anything. Really? Yeah, huh. I mean, maybe it's the character that I'm carrying, or like imprinting the characterization that I get from the comics, but even even this Jughead, this is like the Cole Sprouse Jug we get in the show, I just didn't think that... Some part of me wanted him to, like, hold fast and, like, hold out for Betty. Mm. Probably because I knew what was going on. I, I wanted him to be more of an adult. Okay. I mean, I I, I respect yeah. that, but I also, I feel like with the scenario, like, when you really line up this series of events for him, you know, like, it makes sense to me, you know, that he would look for, like, comfort from someone yeah. else. He doesn't really have anyone to go to at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. You know, like, when you look at what happens, right? Like, he's going through this initiation that's pushing him away from, you know, both Betty and Archie now. Tony's the closest person he has, and there's sexual tension between them. And, you know, something happened. And, like, I, like, it sucks, but it's also, like, he got dumped. Yeah. You know, it's not like he cheated on Betty. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Um, so it's, you know, it's the kind of thing where, like, yeah, it would have been great if he was just like, no, I'm gonna, like, hold fast for her, but, you know, like, even as someone who ships them real hard, like, you know, I, I, I can't fault him for that. No. I can't tell, but I, I think there's a, a sailboat that's about to fall over. <laughs> yeah. Like, it looks like it's leaning super hard. Kale, is that a is that a metaphor for for the the for, current like you know, atmosphere for, for in Riverdale the, for the know? for the bug the bughead ship? Yeah, right. The exactly. Sail, the sail might the <laughs> ship might be tipping. But anyway, you know. So I think what my takeaway was from from this is like I think that was meant to be kind of the wrap on their romantic tension. And I'm wondering how his relationship with her is going to progress forward now that they have actually hooked up. 
because I wonder, is Betty going to just be a mature adult about it? Like oh. these characters seem to tend to be, or is is that going to be something that's played for drama where his friendship with her is now a problem? I, th- I think it'll be a... Uh... Uh, an episode cliffhanger and then yeah they'll talk about it the next the next episode yeah. no big deal yeah i kind of think so too um because one of the one of the things i got um an impression of this episode that i wanted to run by you guys right was later in the episode right when the whole thing happens at the school which we'll talk about in a bit like jughead calls uh tony and sweepy like his friends mm-hmm. you know and I- i'm wondering if they're gonna join like the gang as it were, like if there's going to be events this season that push the the broader cast together, you know, as like that, you know, division between the North and South is going to have to come to some kind of a conclusion. Yeah. I think if the the ghoulies do exactly what Jughead said they would, uh, then I think, yeah, I think we will see that maybe in the second half of the season once the hood stuff is over. But yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think eventually uh, the serpents will have to, you know, get together with the... Uh, the Riverdale High kids and have a, a rainy night showdown with the ghoulies and someone will probably die. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> probably. I mean, the other thing I'm thinking is like, I'm wondering if Tony's going to have a romance with one of the girls from the North. You know, I know we talked earlier this season about thinking that there might be some kind of, um, and by talking about it, I mean, it was like Olivia's fan fiction. But, um, <laughs> I mean, listen, know, I, this is my fan fiction too. Let's get real. No, but I, yeah, like, what what I'm saying is, like, I feel like them dropping the thing of, like, well, I prefer girls anyway. It's like, okay, so she's going to date a woman at some point, and it would make sense if there's some Romeo and Juliet shit with her and one of the um, women from the North. Subplot. And, like, maybe that's part of the thing that brings their two groups together. Like, I could see some shit like that happening, yeah, you yeah. know? One of the pussycats, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I was yeah, just about yeah. to say we would get one of the pussycats. I kind of want it to be... Ooh, I'm blanking on a name. Uh, I kind of want it to be the one that Archie was dating. Val? Like, oh, Val. yes. Um, okay, Val. cool. That's what I... Yeah. I'd like it to be Val because I kind of want it to just be a thing that happens a little off screen or just at least out of the view of Archie because I want something to just be... If, if, I mean, based on who we know Val is, I don't think that she'd go out of the way to throw it in Archie's face, but I think if Archie saw her he would feel with with a serpent, I think that he would feel like as it was thrown in his face because if there's anything that this season has done, it has really cemented in me that I just don't like Archie. <laughs> like at all. all right. Yeah. I, I want it to I want it to be that third pussycat that we never get to see that never has speaking roles or <laughs> you know line <laughs> oh no 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 honey you don't have one yeah <laughs> i'm the other one <laughs> uh yeah i mean i don't know i i mean we'll have to see right that's just that's just my my little fan theory for right now i mean i mean they that line was either just like to appease the uh the teens on the internet or like it's gonna happen and i think we'll find out sooner rather than later uh, I'd also, I think it would be super satisfying to see Josie be that. Yeah. Just because. I agree. Yeah. Bear, yeah I agree. Bear is, uh, that would be a huge, like, we all saw what happened when, uh, Bear McCoy saw the, uh, the, when she, when she found out that Josie had ingested the Jingle Jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're actually going to talk about that in literally a, a minute here, but I think, I think that's a really good point, um, because I, one of the things that I've been thinking about since Olivia brought up 
her desire to see her get with Cheryl was I was like, huh, she's never had any kind of romantic interaction with a, with anybody on screen. And she's like this, you know, super hot local famous musician. You'd think that she would have a boyfriend, right? Cheryl? No, no, not Cheryl. Oh, Josie. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe Josie is gay. You know, like I, I could see that. I could totally see that, you know, because like. Who, do you remember who she was dancing with at? Nick's party. I don't think it. Um, I think it was with one of the the football yeah, players. Oh, was it? Was it with one of the football players? I see. That's why I'm asking. I, I don't remember. I, don't I feel remember. like I don't it remember. Was. I don't. I don't really remember. But I don't feel like there was that many people there that weren't people that we know by name. Yeah, it yeah. was like yeah, yeah. Because like Reggie was there, but I uh-huh. oh no, she flirted with Reggie this episode. Never mind. Okay, was that flirting? So, eh, a little bit. I, I think so. Um, but we'll 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 talk about that in a minute. Um. So <laughs> that could be our shitty male perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like there was one of those like CW like look away kind of deals, but you know, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to the, the yeah, junkyard yeah, yeah. stuff. Um so to talk about some of the stuff that's going on with, with the parents this episode, right? Um Miss Blossom meets with the lodges basically and uh Blames her daughter for being sexually assaulted. So that was classy. Like, she wants to sweep it under the rug. And, you know, the girls are, like, there listening. So, you know, Cheryl hears this, right? She hears her mother say, after all, nothing really happened to Cheryl. And, you know, she's, like, obviously hurt and betrayed by this. But, you know, she's used to her mother's abuse. And she doesn't want to appear weak in front of Veronica. So she kind of, like, sidesteps it. And um, there's a little bit more to this moment. But, like, what did you guys think about that moment? So so, so there was that – there was also that moment. Sorry, just bringing it, like, to another piece where it's, like, she's, like, why why don't you just, like, care more? And I was, like, yeah, she's your mom. Like, why, doesn't, why doesn't she care more? And it's, like – White people. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't good. Just must must be a white people yeah, thing, it must right, be a white people thing. I don't, I don't know. I was like, yeah, like it's her mom. Why doesn't she love her? Because she's a monster. Um, but but sorry, but going going back to it, it's like, yeah, it's pretty messed up that you would blame her for for that. It's it's yeah, right. She must have done something. It's like, are you fucking yeah, it's serious? Like, it's like, like-, it's like <laughs> dude, I was I was literally like, hey, what's up? Oh, roofied. Like I didn't. I literally didn't do anything. Yeah, that was correct. Like, Miss Blossom just continually, like, time and time again, proves herself to be the parent of the year. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I just can't. It sort of was, it's kind of lost, or it gets lost because she's, like, now so presentable, but this, like, she had been recovering from burns. Like, Cheryl, like, burned her very badly. Uh, like, her whole body. Like, right. yeah. The, like, the, in- she, the entire house. She, like, definitely deserved it. Yeah, oh, no. One <laughs> oh, for sure. One thousand percent. The blossoms are like, and Cheryl is in my head to be more of a sympathetic character and like something that I want to see more of and that I like yeah. enjoy now. Um, because of like, yeah. because like her parents are like so. It's like kind of when like see that like shithead in high school and then like after the football game, you just see like one fumble. Like dad is screaming in the parking lot at the kid. You're just like, I know how you are. I know why you are how you are. Okay, like yeah. And I think I think that it would be really cool to see, like she obviously, as he was saying earlier. Yeah, and I, I feel like I feel like we've seen a lot of personal growth for Cheryl uh, since season one. Oh yeah, and as you were saying earlier, like she really hasn't gotten a spotlight until this episode. She hasn't like appeared really alone in any scenes, and now we're like. I think next episode would get more of an arc or more of the beginning of an arc. I think that that was sort of like the tease of a Cheryl arc that we'll get over the next couple episodes. 
Mm-hmm. Mostly focusing on her and her mom. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think you're right. And um, we have a lot of Cheryl stuff to talk about throughout this episode, which is which is great. Um, it, it's really been a treat, I think, this episode. Right after... After this reaction from Cheryl, Veronica uh, kind of like stands up for her, right, and says like, you know, she she should not let not let Nick get away with this, um, you know, and asks her to kind of take a stand because he's done this to other women. He tried to do it to her, and I I thought it was really great that you know Cheryl kind of stood up for herself in that moment where it's like you know she's like you know I'm not interested in like allowing you to use my trauma like for your crusade right and it's like if i want to do this i'm like i need to be ready to do it not because you want me to do it and you won't tell your dad Mm -hmm. right it's like did you tell your parents no oh okay cool but you didn't have a problem telling everybody about what he did to me and it's like i didn't get that decision and you're making that decision you know because veronica doesn't want to be you know the victim i think and I, i think like she doesn't see herself that way right and like but she's fine using cheryl for that that means Definitely, definitely. And she was sort of, like, passing that off as uh, not wanting anything to happen to Nick, which doesn't seem to be the case, judging by how she acts whenever she's around him. Uh, Because it's clear, like, there needs to be, there's, like, I wouldn't say revenge, I'd say, like, a justified punishment at this point. Yeah, I mean, clearly this dude needs to get taken down, you know, Um, for for a number of reasons. Uh, But... You know, while we're on the subject of uh, what's going on with the parents, right, I think we teased a little bit earlier, right, like Alice kind of calls this meeting of all the parents to like brag about how Betty didn't take drugs and judge everyone else's children. Classic. (laughs) As Alice's want to do. (laughs) The suburbs. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I think my like my favorite part about this, like this episode was the first time I had any um, moments where I really like appreciated Hiram on a major level because like instead of just being like the evil shadow figure like he definitely like was a little catty you know like I loved how he was just like uh excuse me Alice I'm not the only one who knows the story of that mugshot that your daughter published it's just like oh snap like (laughs) um I really want to get more of Alice because there's no like I want to know what this extreme self-hatred comes from (laughs) <laughs> like what? Like this is at this point. Like it's kind of clear that this is a like. As soon like, why is she kicking the ladder down? So like, she climbed up. Why is she kicking the ladder down so hard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and I definitely think we're gonna see more of that. You know, over this season. You know, for sure. I think that uh, her past is definitely going to come into play somehow with uh, the broader story that's going on here. But you know, so basically, the parents are kind of trying to get to the bottom of what happened, right? And Reggie admits that it was his jangle. You know, Veronica kind of tries to pin it on Nick, um, which, you know, doesn't really work out because he's not going to be able to be held accountable for this shit, obviously. They're not going to be able to get away with that line. Um, you know, Mayor McCoy goes hard on Josie, you know, like we said, and um, basically is like, Oh, I'm level-headed about this. I'm level. Oh, you took drugs? What? I'm gonna raise the fucking South Side. Like it's over. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. That was a huge like what the fuck moment for me when she explodes into the school. She just I would, flips the fucking table. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> especially for a, like a mayor, and she's like, I mean, we've kind of seen that there is like a, a slightly shady side to Mayor McCoy, but this kind of blew the like off that and the, she is very clearly like projecting her personal life into her work which I don't think is very good for 
an elected official. And she kind of solidifies the like the, the serpent's response and like that they are being persecuted because they are. Oh. I wonder I guess I wonder if the uh this is ever going to get out somewhere. And like the Southside kids are ever going to find out about this. Because if they do, then they'll sort of have a justif more of a justification uh, to go against the Northsiders. And if we do see the Romeo and Juliet romance between Tony and the Northsider, I feel like that would be something that sort of cool the waters between the Northsiders and the Serpent. Shit, I didn't even think about that. That 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 also would like that would make Josie a great candidate yeah. for that yeah. as well because of the whole thing with her mom. And it Oh man! And it wouldn't even be like a. It wouldn't even like smooth everything over though. But it would sort of just be like a de facto ceasefire, as like Josie and Tony are. Maybe that would be cool. Fiction established. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. That's that sounds like a. I mean, I would love if somebody would take one of these fan fiction stories that that we pitch here and just like wrote something like that. I would. I would love it. (laughs) Like like the Um, CW writers. Dude, they're listening to the show. I mean, all I know is that every time I post the show on YouTube, CW flags it. Um, so they're obviously listening. So they know. That's Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, obviously. Hey CW, I I am available. I can email you a resume as soon as you're uh, as soon as you're ready. So just <laughs> I too am looking for one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Save it for your LinkedIn profiles. Uh so <laughs> As we said, right, like, Mayor McCoy uh, has this raid on on Southside High, and Archie, you know, arrives to warn Jug about the the raid, but basically as soon as he gets there, Mayor McCoy and the cops, like, come in like fucking stormtroopers and uh, are, like, just, you know, picking people off, basically, and, um, you know, Jug tries to save Tony, but Archie ends up, you know, pulling him out and getting him out of there before he gets picked up, too. And, um, you know, basically afterwards, he, uh, you know, he takes him to Pops and, you know, he learns that there is going to be a parlay between Tallboy and the leader of um, the Ghoulies, which is uh, Malachi. That um, that ends up kind of setting us up for the rest of the, like, Jughead Archie storyline this uh, this episode but um, back at Riverdale High, Veronica is kind of like telling Kevin about, you know, her experiences with Nick. And, you know, he pushes her to talk about it with his dad, to go tell her dad. Um, you know, she refuses because like Mark said, you know, she, she claims she doesn't want to have his blood on her hands, right? That she thinks her, her father's going to do something. And then, you know, when Betty tries to approach her to apologize, um, you know, Kevin calls her Benedict Betty. And uh, they kind of just, Ooh. you know... Uh, give her the cold what shoulder. What a catty bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't say that I don't get where he's coming from. I mean, she said some really mean shit to Veronica, and then her mom brought them all to her house to fucking shame them and make them do public service. So look, I get it. Look, I get it. <laughs> Benedict Betty, Kevin, you're better than that. <laughs> you're better than that. <laughs> Look, Betty's ponytail is iconic and beyond reproach. <laughs> yeah, beyond reproach. This was a moment, uh, sorry, this was a moment in my notes where I, uh, Benedict Betty was, uh, I said, come on, maybe this friendship isn't as strong as we want it to be. And I said, uh, I said, maybe this is kind of where we'll start to see, like, the, the Betty-Veronica rivalry as opposed to, like, the, the pure friendship 
like we see in the comics as opposed to what we've seen so far in the show. Yeah, and I kind of got that vibe as well because, you know, like Veronica says, like, she's not worth it, right? You know, like, she really gives her the cold shoulder and, like, I was kind of thinking that we might be set up for something like that too. But, you know, as we kind of see later on, that doesn't really seem to be the case too much. Um, But I feel like getting that cold shoulder from the two of them is enough for her to answer the call Mm. (laughs) that she gets immediately afterwards. Uh, You know, because literally just the last time that she was talking to Archie about everything, she said she wasn't going to play the game. She wasn't going to answer the phone anymore. And she does right away, right? (laughs) Like, she's just kind of, like, answers... Yeah, right? And she's just like, why won't you just leave me alone? And it's like, obviously, what do you mean, why? Because he's a fucking serial killer, Betty. And because you keep (laughs) picking up the phone. (laughs) Right, exactly. Uh, But, you know, he basically tries to go go to her into helping him. You know, he says, if you're not going to help me, like, you're going to be responsible for Riverdale Streets running red with blood. The same song and dance we've heard from, you know... The supposed hood, from every, uh, you from, know, how many times From every now? other serial killer, like... Yeah, it's just fucking basic, whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, he he kind of introduces a new wrinkle in, like, what's going on here, right? Like, he, he tells Betty that she's going to be helping him go after the Sugar Man, who's apparently the drug maker, who's, you know, the one who is a... Uh, he calls him a corrupter of children. So, you know, Betty... Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, so when I first heard this... I heard Sugar Bandit, and there were there were there were several moments in this in this episode that I had to like stop, pause, and rewind and go, "What, dude? I feel like Sugar Bandit is a really good name for an indie band." Yeah, you're right. TM right? TM TM TM, <laughs> TM property of the Comics Pals. Fuck off. Yep. Okay. <laughs> say, Mark, you're you're a punk kid. Do you approve? I, right. I feel like that's Sugar yeah. Bandit. The Sugar Ooh. Bandits. Ooh. No sense. No sense. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that could be a really good name for a power pop band. And if I'm in it, it's going to be a power pop band. So, Kale <laughs> on the Sugar Bandits. There you go. I, I don't hate that. <laughs> it's not the worst. But, you know, so Betty, like, kind of points out how absurd his request is, right? She's like, I'm a school newspaper reporter. Like, if you can't find him, like, what makes you think I can? And, uh, you know, he gives her the clue that she's friends with his former supplier's daughter. Cheryl. So that is kind of what gives us the in, you know, here that connects Cheryl uh, to the broader plot again, finally. Because, you know, obviously, even though she wasn't in the main group the first time around, like, the mystery being about her brother gave her a kind of direct connection to everything. And I think this was kind of the first time we finally got a reason for her to be involved in the broader story, you know, as well as having her own personal development. I'm really conflicted about – sorry, we're talking about Cheryl, right? Yeah, yeah. This is going to take us into our Cheryl conversation. Okay, thank God because I quit listening. <laughs> I'm really conflicted about Cheryl because while a lot happened to her in the last episode and throughout this episode, like on a deep and personal level, I like I get that. And what I'm about to say, it, you know, the stuff that happened to her last episode bears no weight on that at all. Nick's just – Nick St. Clair's a piece of shit. I want it to be – Put it in stone. That was not Cheryl's fault. Um, but what we know about Cheryl and just like the way her character is portrayed, she almost everything that happened with her mom just felt a hundred percent like manipulation to me. Her manipulating her mother. Yeah. Um, it just like there's for me like she didn't she didn't feel as like in charge as she came off you know at the 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 finale and then the the premiere of this season. Um, she just like, it just, it just seemed like she kind of reverted back to regular old teenager who happened to light her mom on fire, you know? 
<laughs> that, that's is that what regular teenagers do? Well, I mean, you know, coincidentally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think you're wrong. I just I feel like it's I feel like we see Cheryl sliding back in old habits. Hmm. You know? I think because I I definitely believe the pain that she feels about the way that her mother treats her, you know, and the uh, the abuse that she's clearly suffered from her mother. And I, I think I, I agree with you that there are times in this episode where I don't necessarily believe uh, the angle that she's playing, but I do believe that the hurt is real, but she has learned to survive by manipulating people, Yeah, you know? Um, because she doesn't have people who, or she, she hasn't had people who genuinely cared about her, um, except for her brother, and he's been gone a long time. Mm. And I feel like, you know, her whole relationship with her mother is focused around lies and power and fear. Whether it's her abusing her, or her burning her mother and their fucking house down and take the power back. Yeah. You know, but like, I, I don't, I don't think that um i don't think that the you know like i i feel like the moment that she has with veronica right where she hears her mother say that about her and and the conversation they have where she cries are definitely both like the real cheryl sticking out yeah agreed and the rest of the time it's her putting up a veneer you know to not appear weak i I feel like that conversation with veronica is really where like the family air quotes dynamic with the blossoms just really goes away at this point like, there are only two Blossoms. Or, no, I mean, if you count Betty's family, whatever. But at this point, there are only two people of the original Blossom family, and and it's really anyone's game between Cheryl and her mother to grab power. So there's not really, there's no familial, like, love between them, it seems. And there's really never been. But um, I, I think that her, like, her use of, like, the, I mean, after her mother accepts money to not do anything about her assault, I feel like it's entirely justified, and I think it's, yeah, I mean, that was that was kind of sort of the point where now I am more rooting for Cheryl than she's a character where I'm, um, like, initially, in the first season, I was sort of rooting against her um, for a lot of it, um, but now mm-hmm. this is kind of definitively the point where I'm like... Yeah, I mean, she was an antagonist, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely ag- agree with you, Mark, that I think... You know, she was absolutely kind of an antagonist in season one. And and now, you know, I think she's definitely, by the end of season one, she was kind of being put in the same team as as the main kids. And I feel like we're kind of seeing that turn around again this season, you know, where she's, you know, going to be back in their corner again, um, squarely. Uh, So, you know, in trying to track down the sugar man uh, who who the Black Hood has tasked her to find, right? Benny meets with with her dear cousin Cheryl, uh, <laughs> which um, you know, as we like to do every episode that Cheryl's involved in, I have to call out. Uh, she's owning this this fucking classic movie star like sunbathing look that she's got going on this season, or not this season, this episode. Dude, her looks are just fucking killer. Dude, and the, those sunglasses, I was like, yo, those Ooh. are fucking fresh. Ooh. Like, absolutely, girl. I'm jealous of Cheryl's wardrobe. <laughs> Dude, yeah, yeah, I gotta say. She, she's fucking looking good. Um, but, you know, so Betty goes there, right? She asks her how she's doing. And uh, Cheryl, uh, she had a, a great line, I thought. She, she says, I'm compartmentalizing, but I can see right through you, invisible woman. Um, so she's like, you know, what are you what are you here for, right? So Betty asks her about the sugar man. And we learn that, um, you know, as a kid, she was told 
uh, by her mother that her father was friends with the Sugar Man, who uh, was, you know, the, this kind of boogeyman-like figure that was going to, uh, you know, whisk them away to never be heard from again if they were bad, right? Or if they came out of their rooms while he was visiting. You know, Betty kind of cuts to the chase and she asks her, um, you know, do you think this was someone involved in your father's drug business? And, uh, again, I thought Cheryl had a great line of, like, really calling someone out of kind of, like, you know... <laughs> Yo, dude, what I, the I, fuck? <laughs> yeah, right, of, like, I've really been through a lot, and it's, like, everybody is just using me. You know, like, you know, she says, Dear God, Betty, is there no memory, however traumatic, that you won't defile? You know, and, and yeah, I, you know, I honestly, like, I feel for her, because it's true. You know, like, I, I feel like almost every character, their interactions with her are, like, so rooted in, like, well, how can I use Cheryl? You know, like, how can I use this relationship I have with her to get something out of her? You know, if it's information, if it's, you know, the cheerleaders, if it's whatever, power, like, everybody, or money, right? Her mother's selling her out. Like, it, it really feels like she doesn't have anybody who's really genuinely in her corner. And uh, and I feel for her. I think, I mean, these are these are all high school kids, so I feel like they're still stuck in the, like, Cheryl is the rich kid and we hate her kind of like that is just residually in their heads because like the amount of trauma that this girl has had to go through since this show has started is astronomical like outweighs everything we've gotten so far her brother uh dead at the hands of her father who then kills himself after being it has been revealed that he is uh, a very very large drug dealer and her mother is terrible yeah, and then, you know, she got sexually assaulted and almost raped. And yeah. <laughs> so. And that's just this episode. She's been through a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and uh, speaking of trauma, right, like, later on in the episode, we find Cheryl, like, digging through old photos, and she finds this childhood drawing that has the sugar man in it, right? And, like, she's, like, clearly disturbed by this. And I think it really makes her think about what Betty asked her. And, you know, she confronts her mother about it um, later, you know, who she denies everything as per usual, and uh, says that, you know, turns it around on Cheryl, right? She says, uh, you know, all of her father's records were seized by the police or destroyed in the fire that you caused. Again, I'll give it to you. She burned the house down, but way to turn around on your daughter again. (laughs) Yeah, for real. What is it with white people and not loving their kids? I don't know, dude. You got a a lot to learn, Marco. (laughs) I have stories I can tell you. Uh, so, you know, let's, let's keep, uh, let's keep going with the thread of the Sugar Man, right? So, uh, Betty, you know, a little later on in the episode tracks down Sheriff Keller, uh, at Pops. And she asks him about the Sugar Man, right? And he, he says that Blossom was the Sugar Man. That, uh, he was the one who was in charge. He went by a bunch of different names, right? But Betty kind of says, well, then where's the Jingle Jangle coming from? And he points out that, like, it didn't hit the streets until he was dead. So that kind of puts a wrinkle in that whole theory, right? That, that that connection doesn't really necessarily mean anything in that direct way anyway. And, uh, you know, that kind of her, like, pulling her, you know, fucking Nancy Drew stuff gives her an opportunity for a, um, a reuniting with Veronica. You know, she's at Pops. She catches her trying to, you know, catch Sheriff Keller. And um, it, it gives them an opportunity to kind of mend fences, you know? She says... You know, I, I didn't mean what I said, and there's no sane excuse, right? And I, Veronica's response, which I loved, was, no, B, there isn't, so tell me the insane excuse. Yeah, that was a good line. And uh, that, you know, gets her kind of caught up. You know, she she finally cuts Veronica in on everything that's been going on. 
I thought Veronica kind of summed it up pretty well where she says, you're in a toxic relationship with the Black Hood and you need to get out of it. (laughs) So, you know, basically, again, this is where we get the next little thread of Betty expressing that she has a plan to, you know, figure out who the Sugar Man is and turn the tables on the hood, you know, and, and, and be the one who is taking the kind of uh, power dynamic back in this, in this weird relationship that she has with him. Um, you know, so she asks Veronica to help and, you know, that's kind of like the official reunition of, uh, of B and V, you know, like I feel like despite what I feel like Kayla and I were feeling earlier in the episode, it's kind of like, again, we see, okay, the characters, you know, had a mature conversation about it and squashed their beef. So we're all good. Yeah. I was given their behavior earlier in, in the episode, I was really surprised that, uh, it went over as easily as it did. You know, and it, like, yeah, and like, and like, to to Betty's point last, like last week, like it was just a matter of, hey, like this is what's like, this is what's happened. Like you're my friend, and I can just like I can tell you this. You know, it's it's okay, and we can have that that trust. And then like that, this is like where it's like it, it's really shown. Yeah, and I think it especially makes sense because oh, and I'm sorry, like just to clarify for the listener, when you said Betty's point oh, last week, you mean Betty, yeah, our guest, uh, yeah, Betty's sorry. last. Point yes, last Betty week. Fallon. Um, no, that's not your fault. I just want to make it. It's it's hard when you have guests who have the same name as characters right. on the show. <laughs> but um, you know, I think when, when she has her conversation with Archie earlier in the episode, right? Like we get kind of the explanation I think for why this is able to be the case is like all the pieces are taken off the board for there to be a real threat to people she cares about, right? Like Polly's being hidden, and you know she's kind of cutting everyone in because she wants to turn it around on the hood. And I feel like that, you know, that feels like the natural turning point here. You know, that like, I think she kind of sees that she has a lot more cards to play with than I think she thought because the hood is trying to depend on her by manipulating her. And, you know, she doesn't have to accept that power play. That's going to kind of transition us over to what's been going on with, with Jughead this episode. We kind of get our POV on that, right, with the uh, announcement from from a conversation with Ed and Fred. Ed and Fred. I meant to say Archie and Fred. Jesus. Uh, that, that the kids have to do community service, right? And uh, he kind of asks about what's going on with Jughead because he knows he wasn't at the party. And I, I think, you know, Fred kind of notices that. There's been some distance there and, you know, he, he compares his Archie's efforts with Jughead to his own with FP, you know, and he says it's, it's a never ending battle with those two. I just hope with Jug, it's not a losing one. Again, that's kind of like a great summation of like what's been going on with Jughead this season, right? Is like we've seen him being forced more and more into this role that he didn't want to be in, uh, finding himself in increasingly dangerous and uncomfortable situations. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it like seems like some of that is maybe gonna start turning around, but in the same breath, I feel like it's, you know, really only kind of a band-aid solution. And that it, it seems like there's a lot more trouble to come in that department. Especially now. Especially after the, the drag race. Yeah, yeah, right. Which, um, that's basically like kind of where this starts off, right? You know, like Jug, uh, gets invited to this parlay by Tallboy, right? And he finds out Tallboy wants to kind of merge their two tribes, as it were, uh, because of the increased, you know, heat from the cops and because like a bunch of people just got arrested. So they have less numbers. And, uh, he's like looking for Jughead's endorsement, which obviously he's not going to give, you know, like he, well, and like he's looking for Jughead's endorsement because the legacy there, 
has weight. But where the fuck was that last episode? Like, if that legacy has so much weight and you just want to walk up and give him a serpent's jacket because he's FP's kid, like... Oh, uh, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like that was because he kind of showed that he wasn't necessarily loyal. Like, I feel like if when he first got the jacket, if he immediately started rolling with the serpents, I don't know that he would have had to go through all of the stuff as much necessarily or been at... As razzed. I mean, I'm sure he would have had to do initiations, right? But, like, I, I feel like they had doubt that he was yeah. truly interested in being a serpent, you know? My question is, how old are there any ghoulies that aren't in high school? We uh, haven't are seen there any serpents that aren't in high school? Well, there's Tallboy and, like, the... the and so, one. Unnamed. Cool. Un- <laughs> we see other adults in the background. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we don't see any adult ghoulies. See, I don't, I don't know. Like, I didn't necessarily get the impression that Malachi was in high school. He looks. I mean, it, at the very least, he looks young. So, like, it seems like it's a young yeah. gang, and they're and it's like they are in control of like a fad drug, right? So, like, at what like even with the copsy, it feels weird to me. The serpents are even like the getting in bed with the bullies is something even like on the serpents' radar, considering that the background characters are all like. He's, uh, like, chiseled, or, like, grizzled, sorry. I messed up my hazels. Um, grizzled, old, like, dudes on motorbikes. And these ghoulies are just, like, punks in high school. Ghoulies seem hyper-violent. Yeah. They'll just, they'll just fucking beat anybody up who's walking around the school late at night. Like, it's, yeah. right. like, even, even with FP in jail, it, it really seems like Tallboy would want to sort of steer away from that. Like, in general. Uh, like, I guess, but I also think, like, his point is salient where, like, the South Side is getting cracked down on and, like, they their numbers are weakened. They've lost their leader. Yeah. Like, they definitely are in a weakened position. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like the fact that FP, FP seems to have respect for the ghoulies when they talk to him. And I, I think that definitely, that, like, to me, made me take them as a legitimate threat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, basically, Tallboy kind of tries to strong arm him into this, right? And and like I said, when uh, later on, Jug is talking to Archie back at his place and, you know, they come to the conclusion that they should go CFP, you know, that they, they need to get, you know, kind of like uh, criminal, you know, like um, consultancy, I suppose, from the, the man himself. Um, so, you know, FP's obviously upset that Jug uh, has joined the Serpents. But, you know, he kind of gives them the advice, right, that, like, they have less people. They're outmanned. And, like, they need to avoid, like, fighting them outright because they can't match up, you know. So he tries to tell them to, like, use their pride in their cars against them, you know, challenges them to the drag race and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, whoever is going to win this is going to basically control the South Side. So, Marco, I wanted to get your thoughts on this scene specifically because I thought I loved the way that, like, FP was shot. Through this, like, all the, like, close-ups of him, just, like, with all this anguish and him, like, bathed in that light mm. coming through the jail cell and everything. Like, he, he just looked so, like, angelic, you know, which I thought was really weird. Yeah, like, that backlight on him and stuff. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was, it was, uh, it was a good scene. I think, um, I'm trying to remember. I really liked, so when they went to the, the cars, um, just skipping ahead a little bit, but, like, when, when they went to, like, the race... Um, uh, I was like, I, I like jumped up, like perked out. I was like, oh snap! Like, are they gonna do like a like a like a fast fast and furious kind of thing? Like, what's going on? Like, I want to see what they're yeah, doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a cool shot. That I think that that that, that was what I was just building to. That's it. But I did think that, uh, and, and Mark, I don't know if you've caught up to this 
in in the comics, but I thought they were going for the most recent arc in Archie. So I was super pumped for um for what Kale did you have you read that most recent arc of of Archie with like the cars and stuff? I don't want to spoil anything. Um, I haven't, but I I know what happens. Okay, because like or I know I know the the big part about it. Okay, because like that's where I thought they were heading. So I was super excited with um where where like that whole thing was gonna go. Um, but if not, no worries, it's fine, it's cool. Continue. How much of the it seems like there's a lot of like little notes that are like how I mean obviously they're talking, but how how much do you not think that the the writers of like either the comics or the show are like talking with one another? Because at this point, there's been too many like small notes since the Archie relaunch, kind of, uh, mm-hmm. where they were like, cool Archie, uh, with like the Mark Wade stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, how much of this do you think was planned? Because I, I don't think Riverdale was announced at the time uh, when Mark Wade and uh, Veronica Fish? Uh, Fiona yeah. Staples started. And then, like, yeah. Yeah, and then Fish took over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, how? Yeah. So I I've read it all like I've read it digitally, but how much do you and I caught up to Riverdale? But how much do you think they were in talking? Because it seemed like I haven't read the most recent arc, but to know that it's had stuff to do with cars, and to know that uh, recently, at least in the Riverdale comic, they went to New York uh, prior uh-huh. to like a New York friend of Veronica's coming back. So I mean, there's mm-hmm. got to be some. It, not even not collaboration. There's got to be at least like email blast or something, <laughs> or like a, a newsletter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's internal internal conversations going on there. Yeah, I, w- I don't I think it's much so. though. It's not. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's much. I, I feel like it's like synopses, like a couple months before the general public gets the same synopses. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because those those production schedules are so wildly different that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think, like, when you do look at the way that the comics are referenced in Riverdale, it's usually just very tangentially. It's the kind of thing of, like, if you catch the nod, cool, but I don't feel like they're really using them synergistically in that way. Yeah. Do you know what my favorite nod this episode was? Can you guess? Um, Hmm. I can't. Hit me. Yeah, I didn't see any. What was it? Oh, the beast. Hot dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, Oh, oh, just Hot Dog being there, yeah. And the fact that now he is Hot Dog the Third. Yeah. Yeah. And and isn't isn't Jughead is Jughead Jones the Third? Foresight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. Give the weird guy a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, they just have to make every punk kid in America identify with Jughead that much more. I I got it. (laughs) Uh, so from, from there, we kind of take it back to the main kids. They're doing their public service, right? Cleaning up the park. And, um, we see Reggie kind of flirting with Josie and, um, debatably, maybe she's interested. We, I'm, you know, the jury's out on that one. Um, but, you know, Veronica uses this as an opportunity to get the name of his dealer, right? You know, and she heads to the South side. She makes a deal with this guy and she says, my compliments to the sugar man. You know, she she kind of uses this to try to get a rise out of him. Uh, he runs off and, you know, Betty starts tailing him. And uh, that cuts to, you know, Jug and Arch challenging Malachi to that race that we talked about, right? So, like, this is where they all kind of finally line up together and have their Scooby-Doo moment, right? Mm-hmm. Of, like, you know, they get caught, they get pulled in. You know, we realize that 
you know, you know, it's all one and the same deal, basically. And um, that kind of throws the deal into, you know, question, you know, it gives uh, Malachi a little bit of a better kind of like bargaining position, I think. And uh, he basically talks Jug into um, offering the White Worm and Sunnyside Trailer Park, you know, their turf to the Ghoulies if they lose, you know, instead of the far more favorable um, terms that FP had suggested, you know, and um, that kind of that does it right. You know, we, we get we, we get the uh, the challenge thrown down and that takes us to what I'm sure was everyone's favorite part of the episode, uh, which was the debut of Mechanic Betty. Oh, baby. We we do see her in the first season at some point when her dad is working on the car and they do vaguely talk about it, but it's just never it's never yeah. really come up. Yeah, other not than like that. this. I think it it would I wouldn't say it was my favorite point, but the most like emotional high point for me was uh at right after sort of. Um also I don't wanna do ugh, I like him I like Flag Girl Cheryl more than Mechanic Betty, but that's just me. Um, oh, okay. But like, there was just such hey. a command. Have you? I like. She just brings a command to every scene. Like, even yep. the, she literally just like steps over someone who has been doing this for years. And Tony was just like, "Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah." And yeah. then the sunglasses come on. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, like Cheryl definitely uh, steals every scene that yeah. she's a part of. That's for sure. My high point after that um, was in the midst of the race when Archie grabs the wheel. Um, well, yeah. oh, oh, we we had a little that's bit why, before that's that, why that for I sure. Very slowly, go on. Do what you do. What you're gonna yeah, do. no, no, yeah. no, no. You're good. You're good. But yeah, so we we kind of finally get the conversation between her and Jug. Right? They talk for the first time since they broke up. You know, and she's working on the car that he's going to be driving, which is Reggie's for yeah. some reason. Like, I guess, right? yeah, you can just drag ra- race using my car. It's fine. No big deal. <laughs> I'm a drug dealer. I can afford another one. <laughs> um, but, you know, so, like, they kind of air their dirty laundry, right? She calls him out on lying about joining the Serpents, and he calls her out on, like, her dumping him through Archie, you know? Which was obviously not going to go well. Um but, you know, she kind of tries to half explain what's going on to him. And, uh, you know, she she basically just leaves it at, like, right now I want to just get you through this race. Right? Like, she promises she's going to make it up to him. And, um, you know, like, we we will we'll talk about that a little bit in the fallout from this race. Um, so the last kind of thing that happens before this big race, right, is Cheryl's kind of confrontation with her attacker. Right. You know, she she runs into Nick at the um, at, at Pops and uh, he just cements fuckboy status for me here. Oh. Like, you know, like obviously he was already one, but like, oh, my God, could they make this character any more insufferable? Fuck this guy. Yeah. He calls her the wrong name. He asks her how she is, you know, like and. You know, she, like, has this very sincere reaction. She's like, how am I, right? It's like, you roofied me. Like, you tried to rape me. And he, like, just is, in, like, fucking sociopathic about this shit, man. You know, he's like, well, I don't think that's what happened. You know, it's like, you're, uh, like, a desperate tart from a truck stop, truck stop town. And, like, fucking, you know, he says, let's not distort reality to cover your morning after shame. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You drugged her and got fucking stomped by a girl band <laughs> yeah that 
That was when I wrote down, man, I wish they killed him. <laughs> God, I wish the hood oh just God, yeah. destroyed him. Please. I, yeah, I, I, I wish. Um, but this is where Cheryl figures out, right, that, like, her mother sold her out, you know, because she's like, call your lawyer, like, you're being so horrible about this, I want to see you get, like, pay for it. And he's basically like, oh, we already did pay for it, you know, and you're not going to say anything. There's a reason they call it hush money, you know, and just doesn't give a fuck, man, does not give a fuck. And, uh, you know, that leads to kind of the final confrontation with Cheryl and her mother for this episode that, like, kind of, like finally gets all the pieces of the puzzle together for the sugar man, right? You know, like, she calls out her mother, and, you know, she passes the blame onto the lodge, and she's like, oh, well, they're accepting their money, and, she, you know, she says, like, I don't care about them. I care about my mother. You know, and it's like, you you protect my father, who murdered your son, but you won't even stand up for me against my would-be rapist. And, uh, you know, she continues to show an insane lack of empathy for her daughter, you know? Like she says, she says, "Oh, don't be absurd, Cheryl." So, like, what do you mean? That's that's exactly what's happening. That's she's totally calling you out on your shit right here. I hate her so much. And she's a monster. I'm so floored by it. You know, like just like just her whole attitude about this, and like there's no other angle. <laughs> it's just she's just cold and unfeeling. <laughs> like you know, like, like a reptilian. <laughs> so rich people are all. <laughs> <laughs> the ruling class are lizard people. I'm getting it out here right now. I mean, it's it in makes the sense. Government. It's in industry. We need to fight back. <laughs> join, the, <laughs> join the Riverdale Resistance. The Red Circle <laughs> there you takes go. a definitive stance against the lizard people. Archie's <laughs> Weird Mysteries crossover. CW, you're listening. <laughs> Take it. It's that one's free. <laughs> You can also reach me uh, on Twitter at Mark Bouchard. Um, <laughs> uh, it's Mark Bouchard. You gotta flip the first one. Oh, right. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, you know, so she she does the only thing she can do to really, like, get what she needs from her mother, which is to leverage money against her, right? You know, she says, like, it's, you know, it's plain and simple. Like, they bought your silence, but I'm taking the check until you give me what I want because – like, that's obviously all you care about, right, is the money, not me. And, you know, it's uh, it's it's hard to see that any differently, I think, yeah. you know? So, um, you know, then we kind of – we get the big race, right? You know, it's like right beforehand, Archie and Veronica kind of like have their last conversation about it. We, you know, we learn about, um, you know, that Archie has a plan going into it, which, you know, we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, this is where Veronica gets that call from Cheryl, figures out that her parents have taken that money, and um, confronts them about it, right? And she finally admits what Nick tried to do to her. Um, so what did, you, what did you guys think about this? About what? About, uh, about the fact that she, like, finally has, has the breakthrough here, right? Like, the fact that, like, she, re- she finds out that her parents are taking this money – and that's kind of the thing that finally gets her to stand up and admit what's going on here, right? And to, you know, you said that you didn't feel like she really cared about having Nick's blood on her hands. And, uh, you know, like, this is kind of the thing that pushes her over the edge. And and why do you guys think that was? Was specifically the idea of, like, her parents taking the money from them and that, like, why do you think she finally got, felt like she had the skin in the game? I, I, I think it's because her, you know, her her friend was hurt. And was a legitimate victim. And the you think so? And the Lodge's taking that money was 
was sort of undermining the probably what little um what little hope she had that they were good people mm. um you know yeah, i can see that like like she i i think she was hoping that they would react better to cheryl's victimization than they would to hers and she may have been like testing the waters there yeah yeah i think i i part of me feels like she wasn't going to tell them yeah until her father starts to say that he thinks it didn't maybe it didn't happen yeah. You know, like, he's like, well, you know, we don't know, and we need the money, and, you know, and that's when she really finally pulls the card. Yeah. So, I, I, I thought what happens in, next is kind of interesting there, right? Like, Hiram, I think, you know, he, he gets he gets real fired up about it, you know, right? And he's he's ready to, I think, kind of threaten something mm-hmm. before Hermione just steps in, and she's like, oh, we're not going to take any of their money. Yeah. Yep. Man, I, I love to see the moments where... I feel like we see the real Hiram come out. Yeah, he's a he's an ice cold villain, and it's really cool to see that paired with what we know of Veronica, uh, what we know of Veronica and her past, and then sort of what we see at the end of the episode as well. Yeah, which I, is going to have some pretty interesting implications, I think. But that takes us to to the big race, you know. So um, we we get another another classic Kevin one liner. I think much much better than. Uh, than his his dig at Betty earlier, which was not the kind of drag race I saw myself going to, but at least the guys are hot. Yeah, that was I, good. I fucking audibly laughed out loud at that one. I was like, that's fucking classic. I went, I went Kevin, come on. <laughs> Kevin. Oh, no, dude. I, 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 got, I got such a kick out of that one. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I started snapping. That 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 to me definitely felt like a joke that Jeremy Jeremy would have made when we were in college. Okay, yeah. fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I um I I think that jokes like that like because the way the show is done it, it like really draws on the 1950s kind of vibe that Archie has, but then they just mm-hmm. the I, I feel like it's like the anecdotal stuff and the one liners. It's just like they're just like shake you awake and you're like it's 2017. We're here. Like, this is what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like how they kind of, like, it, it feels like the town is haunted by, like, the spirit of Archie more so than it does, you know, like, there's all these things that are very 1950s, but, like, it's, like, the remnants of those things, you know? it's They got possessed by grease. Oh, thank yeah. you, Mark. <laughs> that was that was poetic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, get, I get one of those maybe at least once an episode. <laughs> Time stamp that one. Uh, so, you know, as as much as I loved Mechanic Betty, like, this was, uh, you know, this next, this was my favorite Betty look, you guys. Like, Race Betty, so cute. Like, and I, don't get me wrong, I love Race Cheryl, but Race Betty, with the fucking, you know, she's got the little, like, uh, what's her name, Rosie the Riveter kind of vibe going on. I was like, oh, please, be still my beating heart. Like, yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. <laughs> by, by Race Cheryl, do you mean Lana Del Rey? Because that's what we got. <laughs> That's what we got, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, like good, good." Mm. Everyone, everyone just brings the look. Like everyone brings the look, except Archie in that jacket. Like mm. everyone has a look for every occasion. Archie and Jug are just very—they are what they are. But uh, everyone else is so. Oh, Jughead has like four jackets, bro. He rotates through them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but how many pairs of pants does he have? And Pete, we're probably the same, so we can both answer less than five. Less than five pairs of pants yeah. in rotation. More jackets than pants. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, my my whole thought is definitely, like, every time I see him, just, like, this, like, kid who's supposed to be, like, lower, like, you know, middle class or upper lower class. And it's like, man, you can sure afford a lot of expensive jackets. Yeah. 
Like, that's a nice, <laughs> like, all of those, ex- even excluding the serpent's jacket, I'm just like, where do you, where do you get, where did you get these? Is there a Burlington coat factory in Riverdale? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the race sort of cemented my disdain for Archie into, like, I think it's gonna be really hard for me to get on board with Archie and going forward. Like, I think there's something, if the, if the CW is listening and they want me as a person specifically to like Archie, there's going to be a lot of things that need to be done because it, it felt like he was, like, by not telling Jughead any of this, it felt like he was sort of spitting in Jughead's face. I got very Tony Stark vibes from Archie. Hmm. Uh, but at, this, at the same time, like, Jughead didn't tell him about joining the Serpents until the last second. And, like, I... I, I think it's it's going both ways. I think Archie's has more immediate implications, but I I think it's going both ways. I guess you're right. I, yeah. I'm probably more sympathetic to Jughead's position, especially because that's something that was sort of like known that his dad did, and uh, that's something that didn't really have as an immediate effect on his friends, uh, or really any at all, as immediate as this one, because Jughead sort of set this whole thing into motion, and for Archie, who is supposed to be his best friend, to have an ulterior plan, like a secret plan going on the entire time, and not telling him about it, um, especially when that but, plan was with the cops, just feels sort of like a slap in the face. It was, I, 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 for me, like, the plan was very clever. Like, it was a very clever way for, for them to win the race. Air quotes around that, you know, win the race. Yeah, yeah quote-unquote win the race <laughs> right but like yeah it it felt very bullheaded and i know better than you when like jughead knows the situation and he you know he knows how like fragile this thread he's walking is and archie has no idea yeah and i think like the point that that he makes right where like archie's kind of like i took them off the chessboard right and it's like jug's like yeah for like what a month yeah three months yeah. and then they're back and we have to deal with this and it's like it's a band-aid that like o- ultimately is gonna just make the wound fester and and make this more of a problem for them so uh after the race you know cheryl kind of heads home right and we we get the final piece of of the sugar uh the sugar man puzzle you know, like her mother basically explains that it was kind of a story that she used to, you know, she says, I, I can, I, I, it was a story I concocted to turn an all too real monster into a child's boogeyman. And we learned that there's been multiple sugar men over the years, right? Uh, who've like each kind of taken over for the last. And when, um, Clifford was kind of grooming Jason to become his, his successor, it was him meeting the previous sugar man, or I guess the current one. Um, that was kind of the thing that she said led to, that was the first in a series of events that led to his death. And, uh, I thought that was interesting because I thought it was going to mean that there would be further implications, uh, for this in, in the, you know, episodes to come, but it, it doesn't necessarily seem that way. You know, just, just to throw this out there, right? Uh, Cheryl gives her mother the money, she burns it, right? And then... We get back to Pops. Betty gets a call from Cheryl while she's with Veronica and, you know, figures out who the Sugar Man is. And, you know, we learn that, you know, at the end of the episode that it was uh, Jughead's teacher. You know, the guy who was the the guy who was supposed to be, you know, the person keeping him out of trouble. He's working on the newspaper and everything. And we find out it was him the whole time. You know, he he ends up getting uh, – wait, no, here. I guess we'll, we'll talk about the phone call, right? So she she hears from the Black Hood. 
And this is when Betty, like, takes the opportunity to turn the tables here. And, you know, she's clearly coming into this conversation with a lot of confidence, right? Like, she is kind of playing with him. You know, she's like, oh, I assume my time is up. And I feel like she was, like, directly channeling her mother in this conversation with just the whole, like, attitude that she takes at him. You know, where she's like, you know, I could tell you, but I've already notified the police. And you'll just have to read my expose in the blue and gold, you know? And I was just like, yo! Like, and she's like, oh, care to comment? <laughs> Dark Betty was channeled. Like, like, oh my god, like, slay, slay, girl. <laughs> and, like, and then it totally, like, you know, he tries to intimidate her, right? Like, she, he says that she's playing a risky game, and she's like, yeah, but it's my game now. And it ends with me catching Boom. you. You know, I found out who killed Jason Blossom. I found out who the sugar man was. And you're next, Black Hood. I'm breathing down your neck. Can you feel it? Can you feel me? And I was like, oh my god, like, unleash the beast, dude. <laughs> this, not to, not to, not to turn into Murphy, but, uh, <laughs> it got, it, it, it got a, a little sexual for me, and I, I was kind of into it. It's just like, I mean, I'd let, I'd let Betty Cooper stand on me is all I'm trying to say, right? <laughs> she could breathe down my neck if she wanted. That's, that's, I mean, that's okay. all I'm saying. Guys, this isn't the long box podcast. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try to maintain some that's, that's all I'm saying. That's all. Yeah, I was so very, very scared uh, it, during the phone call moments that we were just not going to find out who the Sugar Man was. I was literally at the edge of my yeah, seat. Yeah, they like, like teased that out for a yeah, while. <laughs> like the last scene dragged on for like what felt like 10 minutes. It was like commercial break to end, kind of. Um, and what do you guys think about the identity? Because for me, that came out of way out of left field, especially for this Sugarman arc, not like the existence of to capture, not even being teased for like it wasn't even a whole episode. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was weird too. You know, like I I thought that this this storyline seemed like it could have been something that was stretched out over the course of a few episodes and like drip fed to us. But like we went through the entire thing, right? Like we learned about the Sugar Man, we figured out his connection to Cheryl, we figured out who he was. He was put in jail, and then he dies, and it's like oh, and like I feel like this there's going to be fallout from oh, that. Yeah, obviously, shit. he does die. Yeah, I was like, no, he doesn't die. Come on, like, no, he fucking dies. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. the end of the fucking episode is the fucking hood just shoots him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, no, you're right. my whole thing, like, I literally wrote my notes, right? I was like, oh my god, the teacher was the sugar man? What does that even mean, dude? And it's like, I don't even know if it means anything now. He's fucking dead. Yeah. Like, is it just gonna create a power vacuum? Like, are we gonna figure out the connection he had to Jason's death? Like, I don't know. I would think so, but... I don't really know that there was a connection to Jason's death other than he met the the sugar daddy, and he just didn't want to <laughs> he do did, this stuff. He didn't want to play ball. Yeah. The sugar yeah, daddy. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was like initially, I was like, the next episode, like, they need a new English teacher. But Southside High is so underfunded that I don't know if it'll ever come up. Yeah. Jughead's the new English teacher. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> All right. Listen, guys, we're reading Kurt Vonnegut and we're watching Quentin Tarantino. I'm edgy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, I don't know. Like a good day. Jug- Jughead's the kind of guy who would who would make him watch uh, uh, the Rockford Files or you know one of those old grisly like uh, like noir uh, sitcoms. 
you know, in the, <laughs> the 70s and 80s. My yeah. new fanfic is Jughead excitedly making a group of kids at Southside High watch Nosferatu, and none of them want to see it, and he's so stoked. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we're turning out fanfiction ideas left and right this episode. Um... So yeah, I mean the uh, the only other like fallout. There's a few little nods at at things that I think are gonna come up later this season. You know, Jug is talking to Tony afterwards, and she's kind of he's kind of trying to figure out where the serpents stand on where things fell out. And she said some people respect him for winning, and some people you know don't like that he they they perceive that he cut a deal with Keller. You know, because it like quote puts us in bed with bed with pigs. You know. And, uh, you know, they don't know that Archie's responsible for that. They don't care. They see that as Jughead's move. So I'm sure that we haven't seen the last of the trouble with, with the ghoulies and, and Jughead's increasingly, you know, seeming to be leadership role in this organization. Um, we'll see where that takes them. And then in, uh, in regard to Archie, it seems like the big thing that I saw was that I got the impression it seems like maybe we're going to have a storyline with Fred having a trouble with drugs. You know, he had the thing where he was holding those yeah. pills and Archie's like, oh, are you mm-hmm. okay? And he's like, yeah, no, I'm feeling better every day. But it's like, he looked concerned. There was like a weird kind of tension there. And I, huh. I feel like maybe, I feel like that's going to maybe be a thing that comes up. Yeah, I got that vibe too. I must have missed that. I didn't, uh, it was yeah, like super subtle. That at all. Yeah, it was very, very subtle. Uh, but it was, it was very similar to like the vibe I got between like, um, Josie and, uh, and Reggie earlier where I was like, it's one of those like CW lookaways where it's like, this thing happens and we linger on Archie for just long enough for him to look concerned. And I'm like, huh, if he's concerned, I guess that's, that's supposed to be the implication in my mind. So I don't know. Interesting. And then, <laughs> so we, we get a little bit of our wish come true, right? The lodges get a call. And the St. Clairs have had an unexpected car accident. Oh, my God. Oh, imagine that. Oh, no. I'm so freaking shocked. <laughs> wait, oh, wait. Are you- I-, I hope they're okay. Wait, are you guys being serious? They got into a car accident, guys. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I hope I, I, jeez. Uh, <laughs> I'm so concerned oh, no. for them. So I wanted to ask, like, did you guys think, like, you know, Hermione says Nick will recover, but it's going to take several months. Do you think that means his parents are dead? Don't they? Don't they say what happened to his parents? Yeah, okay. I thought. I, th- I don't. Wasn't it? I thought she specifically said his parents blank, but Nick was pretty hurt. It's gonna take a minute. Yeah, I don't quite remember. I felt like the implication. I felt like the parents were fine. I mean, they had like two seconds of screen time, and it's not going to affect me much if they're dead. So. Yeah, no, I'm just wondering because I think, like, Nick's clearly alive, yeah. right? So is it, like, his parents are dead and he has a vendetta? Ooh. Or does he just have a vendetta because of the car accident? You know, like, I Do don't know. Do you think we're ever going to see him again? Yeah, I think we will. I think if, if we weren't going to see him again, they would have killed him off here and now to show that Hiram means business. Yeah. Any character that you don't see die is, I think, always going to come back. I think Grundy proved that. Fair. Uh, I, and uh, the thing I wanted to ask you is like, what did you guys think of Veronica's reaction? You know, and she's like, oh, well, Karma's a bitch. It's like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, I get it. No, like, I agree. But like the whole, that's a big flip from earlier where she's like, oh, I don't want his blood on my hands. It's like, well, I mean. Blood wasn't on her hands. <laughs> I think that's specifically why Hermione stepped in and said, oh, we're not going to take that money. Instead of letting Veronica hear whatever, whatever her Hiram was about to say. So that she would Which know I, and she wouldn't be implicated. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. This sort of, uh, yeah, I think Hermione's the best. I mean, sorry, I think Veronica is my favorite main cast character at this point. Uh, 
she's just been sort of oh, that was the like the little sort of like half eye open smile she gave when she's like oh, this is a bitch. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. hell yeah we're all very, very pro-Veronica, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, so, did you guys feel any any differently about who the killer might be? Who's the hood? No. No idea. No, I really don't. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't feel like we're any closer to really having the answer in my mind. And I think, I mean, I know we only have like one or two episodes left before the season break, I think. Uh, I, I don't think we do, actually. It's actually further out than I we think thought? It, I think it goes to, through to like March. I was looking at it okay, as great. we were watching the show, yeah. Oh, great, great. Okay, because I know we've been having some trouble nailing that down. I feel like that answer's coming. I yeah. think Betty's little speech is either going to lead to an answer about the hood or severe consequences in the death of another person or a death of somebody who's actually important mm. or another serious attack. Mark, who do you think it is? What's your What's your big theory? Honestly, I don't really – I haven't – initially, like in the very beginning, I didn't – have any kind of theory, but now that we know that it's someone, the one theory that I have is it could be Denny's name. It could be a scout. Dil- oh, Dilton? Dilton. My only Dilton, Dilton Doily. Because so he got hurt right in the the fight, and we haven't seen a killing since he got hmm. like that was. Yeah, we haven't seen a killing from that. since before that yeah, though. But I mean, that's just one of my like like the, another thing. I don't know. And he's like weird and like off kilter enough that I could see. Him having this weird obsession with Betty, um, but like really, I mean, really, we know. I, I think it's. I think it's probably someone who's older though. Yeah, it has to be. Like, I definitely am squarely of the opinion that it's a, a white dude in yeah. his forties. They've said as much, and you like we've see, seen like, him. The like, that's, of his eyes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, dude. Like, and he's kind of a bigger guy. Like, he's kind of stocky. Well, I could see if there is a copycat. I could see Dylan being a cop. I don't see him having the stomach to kill people, and I don't see him being removed from the show and i think that uh obviously the black hood's going to be removed from the show you know in in, yeah, in the later. comics he is like sort of like has a thing for betty dilton so hmm. i can see him being the black hood who calls the imposter yeah, I, I can actually i can see that yeah that'd be interesting i yeah i came up with a couple a couple more fringe theories through this episode but nothing that was really uh concrete like like you said there wasn't anything really that gave us any clues this episode yeah i mean what i thought was interesting was like i feel like i i remember walking away from this episode really feeling like it was a breath of fresh air away from the black um hood story where it's like we got progression there but it was mostly focused on betty's relationship to him not really solving the mystery and i feel like the focus was way more about the stuff going on with the serpents and the ghoulies you know, really kind of finally exploring that story, which has been kind of bubbling under the surface for a while. I mean, and that makes sense because I feel like the like the tension between the Black Hood and the ghoul, I mean, uh, the surface and the ghoulies is really going to have a larger impact on, like, Riverdale, the town. Because Yeah, clearly, yeah. right? I mean, like, there's, yeah, there's clearly a conflict to come. So I think before we head out, I just want to, you know, point out the most important thing that happened in this episode, which is that Buckhead's back, baby! <laughs> Reunited and it feels so good. Yeah, it's okay, I guess. Yo, fuck you, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> you, you fucking tughead people. I don't, I don't believe in that. <laughs> Joni, 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 I, I don't know. No, Joni. Yeah, that's right. a good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for that one. The Josie, jo- Tony Chip, or Joe Paz. 
Ooh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I like that one. Joe Paz. Yeah. I mean, Jughead and Tony's relationship had to die so that her relationship with Josie's could blossom and that the best ship on television could get back together, Marco. There you go. So- uh, they might be dethroned. I'm I'm here for uh, Josie and Wait. Tony. I tell you what. Also, question. Sorry to backtrack. How did the black hood get to jail? Huh. It's a good question. I was wondering the same <laughs> thing. Uh, whoa. Sheriff what if it's Sheriff Keller? Keller? Whoa. That'd be crazy. I never thought about it right now, but he's like literally the only other white man in his 40s. Oh. And he, <laughs> like, it's that sort of, uh, it's that trope where he like, you know, he's he's the only guy that has access to the files and comes back with something that is different, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. and who out like, he is the, like, the chief of police, the sheriff, like, he is the protector of her. You'll never, yeah, you'd never ever suspect him. I don't know, I don't know. I don't think no, it's him, but I don't think that's... But it's a cool theory. That, that's, it's, a, uh, it's a solid that's a cool theory, theory, though, it's yeah. It's gotta be, yeah. I don't know, I think it could be, like, a, a deputy, like, or something. Whoever it is has access to the jail, or the next episode's going to start with someone being like, with someone being like, Black Hood broke in and killed the, the sugar man, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, unless there's some information that's already been withheld from us about how he got in. Yeah. That's definitely an interesting wrinkle in, in who, the greater question of who is the Black Hood. But, uh, yeah, I mean, any, any closing thoughts on chapter 19 before we bring it home? I really wanted to see, I, I really wanted to see who was going to win that race. Like, yeah, I, me too. I, I, I kind of, like, as clever as that twist was, I would have liked to have seen that race play out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that really would have been cool. Like, if there, if there were, if there were one moment in this whole series where it stuck to that 50s Archie feel, I, I wish it was that one. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. That would have been really cool. But uh, I think it was, it was, to your point, a clever subversion of that, which is what Riverdale's all about, right? So, yeah. All right, so I think that's going to wrap it up here on this episode of the Riverdale Review. Remember, if you guys want to write in and have your thoughts about the episode heard on the air, you can uh, send us an email at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Um, you can also hit us up at thecomicspals wherever your social media is sold. You know, Leave us a comment down below if you're on YouTube or SoundCloud. Uh, if you guys are on YouTube, we would really appreciate it if you guys would like the video, share it with a friend, and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, if you guys are on SoundCloud, you know, give us a like. Uh, if you're on iTunes, you know, we'd greatly appreciate it if you guys could give us a rating. We're currently a five-star rated podcast, something of which we're very proud, and uh, we'd love to see those numbers go up because they really help the show. Um, and, you know, and last but not least, the best thing you can do is just share the show with your friends. If you're a fan of Riverdale, you've got other Riverdale fans in your life, let them know that this podcast is out there and that you enjoy it. Uh, so, before we bounce, Mark, thank you again so much for joining us here on this episode. Thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime, buddy. Um, so, before we bounce out, just uh, you want to let everybody know where they can find you on social media, anything you want to plug, anything like that? Um, oh, so uh, I'm at Bark Bouchard on Twitter, and I'm uh, currently working on an anthology called Everything is Going Wrong. And it's uh, a uh, comic anthology about punk and mental illness. I'm editing it, and uh, a submission just closed, so look out for that uh, on my Twitter feed. I'll be plugging that a bunch as printing moves forward. Yeah. Awesome. Rad. Yeah, we'll have to have you over on the Comics House to talk about that when yeah. that uh, finally gets going. Yeah, my co-editor uh, is a Valkyrie. She'd love to come on with me. Ooh, hell yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. That'd be a good episode. I'd love yeah. to talk to a Valkyrie. I'm awesome. I'd be all about what it. Is that? Uh, uh, Valkyrie like a- is uh, an or- it's an organization started by Kate Leth of uh, oh, women okay. who work in comic shops. Uh, yeah. just all over the the country, oh, cool. the world, I guess. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I would love to talk about that. Yeah, they're great. Um, but that's a conversation for another yes. podcast. So we will catch you guys next week on another episode of the Riverdale Review. Hey, Pops, can I get a piece of pie? Ooh, can I get the uh, to-go box? Uh, I'll take mine out of mode. Vegan milkshake. Oh, do they do that here? Do they do that here? Do they do that here? Do they do that here?